is where business ideas and passions turn into profit. Napkin ideas are no longer tucked away in drawers, and women around the globe are turning their hobbies into million-dollar businesses. Welcome to Million Dollar Hobbies. Here's your host, world-renowned jewelry designer and Shop HQ celebrity, Victoria Wick. Welcome to another episode of the Million Dollar Hobbies. I have to tell you today, I have an amazing guest. His name is Michael Mitchell Creasy. I don't know why I got the microphone. <laughs> Mitchell Creasy <laughs> was an award-winning executive coach who helps business leaders. So he help, actually helps successful professionals live a more fulfilling life. And I love that because um, a lot of times, um, you know, I myself have been very fortunate to have known so many entrepreneurs who started with nothing, who struggled, overcame everything only to end up uh, working more or, you know, just kind of lose steam or sometimes they've actually just, you know, uh, paid a huge price uh, by getting there or sometimes after they've reached all that because they just didn't know what to do with themselves when they retire all that. So whether you are at the active phase of building your business uh, and this is your dream scenario is having too much money and too much time and not to do, you know, you don't know what to do with it, or whether you're somebody who's nearing that retirement or who just have retired, uh, Mitchell is um, just a perfect person that we need uh, to give us a little uh, perspective and, and a little bit of how to as well. So he's an, uh, he would like to call himself and everybody else has called him the ex, an expert uh, in ease because he just has a very uh, easy, uh, down-to-earth, uh, sort of a casual way to handle such a serious topic like this. Because we're, when we're talking about entrepreneurs who've made it, we're talking about giving your heart and soul for your entire life. And I'm talking every day, Monday through Sunday, you know, this is hard work. So at the end of the, you know, at the end of the whole thing, you really do want to see the rainbow and enjoy it. So, um, and also I, the other thing I love about uh, what he has to say is that he truly believes better humans make for better business. And I completely believe that. So some of the things that we're going to talk about are things like time management. That's a big issue with, uh, I mean, with everybody, you don't even have to be an entrepreneur to deal with the time management because we are all, I mean, my mother is in her late eighties and she's got time management issues that tells you something, right? She doesn't go to work, but she's got too many things to do. And when I go see her, she has to schedule me in, you know, go figure. Um, things like, you know, people pleasing, um, you know, building a loyal and a solid customer base. So without further ado, he's going to give us all of that uh, information, hopefully in this episode. And if you can't, then you'll have to go, you know, find him at coach Mitchell, um, Dot com. So without further ado, welcome to the Million Dollar Hobbies show. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. Yeah, it's such a great uh, pleasure to have you here. And um, I know that you've, you know, your um, all of the your knowledge has been shared with, you know, media all around the country. And I love that, too, that you've you know taken the small guys, the big, you know, such as like I, I, the one that I love the most is the Nashville talk of the town. Because, <laughs> you know, I love Nashville. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't think that there's like serious business going on with such a beautiful place, but you know, you've been on KTLA, Good Day Chicago, all, you know, on and on. So tell me, um, what do you think is the first thing that, that you've noticed about people who have reached, a, you know, their success, you know, they've kind of hit their, um, the home run 
And then yeah. what do they do? Well, I think of it, what comes to mind first is like a train track that runs out in the sense that you push and you push and you push and you try so hard to get this locomotive going and then it goes and then it picks up steam and it picks up steam and it picks up steam and it just keeps going. And all of a sudden you get to a point where you're, you're on the open road and you start asking yourself like, well, do we just keep going now? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like True. what? Right. And, and, and so when, and what happens is when we get to that point where we like, do I keep going now? because we're so accustomed to the push we end and we're, we're not used to the space of not knowing, right? Because we have to know, we always have to know what's next and where we're going. We're not used and com- or comfortable with the space of not knowing. So what we inevitably do is double down on that push and we start building it again. And as you know, as, 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 as everyone listening knows, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And when we come back to rebuild what's already built, all we run into is frustration. You know, it's really interesting you said that because I, you probably didn't know this about me. A lot of people don't know this about me is that Mm. I actually tried retiring three times. (laughs) Yeah, not surprised. You're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. I have tried retiring three times and, um, so the first time I tried it, I mean, I actually, um, you know, told my customers, um, I mean, I had uh, companies like Princess Cruises or Caribbean. I mean, all these companies, I told them, okay, you know, I'm out. I, you know, I've, I've had, I've got more than what I deserve, more than I ever thought possible. And, um, you know, I just need to find other things to do with my life. And, you know, I'm burnt out and I'm all that. So I actually, you know, actively got rid of all my customers. Uh, there were a few that really refused to go away. They're like, no, you can't do that. You know, we, you need to give us transition time. And I was on a, a network in Japan and they're like, you know, you were like 50% of my business, our business, you can't just quit. And so, you know, I had like a, a three-year exit plan for them so that they wouldn't be shocked and all that. Okay. So I did that and exactly what you said had happened uh, where you're so used to a routine. You're so used to having a goal set. You're so used to having to like just kill yourself to reach, you know, the next plateau that when all that thing came down and shut down and you're like, what? Like, I'm supposed to know how to play golf now. Like, you know, just, <laughs> <laughs> and this is fun if you got to do it every day. Um, and well, so I, yeah. And then luck would have it. I ended up with a uh, frozen shoulder in both shoulders. It, it actually went to one shoulder. It took me two years to recover from that. And then I went to the other one. But, you know, within six months, um, I realized retirement wasn't cut out for me. So then I went back, uh, you know, luckily I had all my customers who wanted me back. And then this time I, I justified it like, oh, you know, I came back with my own accord on my own choice, all that stuff. And then I, I worked like crazy. I actually, my business actually doubled when I came back. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I was doing two, $3 million. I mean, I was doing a couple hundred million bucks. So, you know, doing, going from there to doubling your business is like crazy. And so then I was busier. Then I retired again. And I thought I would actually be a little bit better off this time in terms of being prepared for the life because I had a little taste of it. Um, So then I retired again the third time in 2017. And this time I thought, okay, I'm definitely going to retire for good. Because what happened was um, 
like you approaching uh, one of my very, very best friends who was at the time, uh, you know, CEO of a very large corporation. He said, you know what, Vic, you can't do that. You can't go from where you were to doing nothing. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do that? And he said, people like you, you need like, uh, uh, like a plan to retire. So you need to work a little less and a little less and a little less. So I try doing that. But I think that this idea of um, what you're coaching, I've never seen anybody do that before. In other words, I've mm-hmm. all of the coaching space is about building, 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 growing. Mm-hmm. It's not about like, because entrepreneurs are just horrible at retirement planning. Uh, mm-hmm. Financially too, they just don't think like, you know, I don't know what their end goal is, but a lot of times by the time they retire, they really don't have a business to sell. Um, you know what I mean? They don't, they're not very good at uh, planning. So what you're coaching, I think is, is very needed, uh, you know, in, in this space for those of us <laughs> right. who actually are, you know, have paid the price and we should be enjoying our life. But you would think that we wouldn't even need a coach to, I mean, it would, it's kind of ridiculous to think like we need a coach to help us enjoy our life, but it really is the truth. Have, have well, you know, yeah, I, I agree. So in the sense that the same way that you learn the skills you need to learn to build your business, the skills to actually live in wholeness, to live in fullness and to live openly are just that they are skill sets. Yeah. And yeah. while, while, the money is amazing because as you know, the money brings out who you already are. It doesn't change you. It brings out who you already are. So what's nice is there's a resource there that's going to allow you to accentuate the things that are inside of you that perhaps you haven't allowed yourself to bring out in the past because you've been so busy in skill set ABC. Well, now when we talk about retirement planning, it's a nice to think about it as really just learning skill set X, Y, Z. It's the same okay. skill set. And with the tenacity that you have, with the work ethic you have, to now be able to turn that inward to yeah. yourself and apply it to you, there's no, there's no second guessing. Like your happiness, your fulfillment is guaranteed. You have the resources now and you have the work ethic. We're just going to apply that now to you. Now, you have a very interesting backstory, and I think it's mm. really relevant uh, in, in what you do now. And I, um, as you know, I'm a huge um, fan of um, doing something you love because you only get to live one life and, you, you know, and life is hard. So you want to do something that actually you want to, you know, you want to spend time doing. So, you know, the passion end of this is very important to me. So um, you basically witnessed your father who actually achieved a lot of success. And then he pretty much collapsed from work induced stress and everything else. So something very similar like to that actually happened to me when my father died of a, a pretty massive heart attack suddenly. Um, and he, that happened after he had uh, arrived in America and paid all the dues and actually watched his kids grow and all that. And then, you know, like literally a week after he, he, I think he, um, died the day before he was supposed to retire completely. Okay. So on Saturday morning and, and his last lecture, uh, he was an acupuncturist giving lectures about, uh, alternative medicine and all that. And so his last lecture would have been Saturday, Saturday at noon, and he died Saturday morning. 
Oh my. um, I think at his funeral is when um, it hit me like, okay, what is the purpose of life anyway? Right. And and the last thing I want to do is end up like him, like just, just work and work and work until like the day of your retirement Mm -hmm. in this case. Mm -hmm. So now you have a very similar story, um, but you did have um, a mother who was at the opposite end of the spectrum from your dad. So you basically are able to see, you know, what would happen when you don't pay attention to all the internal, you know, um, controls that your body has. And at the same time, though, if you don't have any discipline, um, I'm not saying your mother was, but the way you describe a hippie mother, it kind of sounds like it's in that flavor. So, you know, you, you were able yeah. to walk that balance, right? Right, right. So, yeah, it, it, you know what? We're all shaped by our caregivers, right? Whether or not we want to admit it or not, unconsciously we are shaped by our caregivers. So for me, I have my own natural skill set, instincts, and desires. But as far as what I got to witness growing up, it really was both ends of the spectrum. So my mom, um, it's funny because her and my dad are actually quite similar. My mom and my dad, both extremely disciplined. disciplined. My, uh, it's funny you mentioned your, your dad uh, taught um, acupuncture. Um, so my mother was extremely into, or is extremely into alternative medicine and the amount of study that she puts into alternative medicine. Like the discipline is crazy. And then on the same, dad, same side, uh, or the opposite side, sorry, my father, uh, CFO, CFO of a publicly traded multinational uh, media company. And so I saw on both sides, my, my mom was very much uh, raised us in this idea of universal law and principle. Obviously, everyone knows the law of attraction, but there's like 50 more um, <laughs> that, that we were rooted in and that all need to be part of the conversation as well. And then on the other side, then you had my father, who, again, a CA by trade, um, you know, show me the numbers, yeah. give me the nuts and bolts, yeah. make it balance. Other right. than that, I don't really give a shit. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So it, it was, it was yin, yin and yang in, in, in that sense. And so when I was, I think I was just um, coming out of school. I can't remember, but my mom called me and said, your dad collapsed. And what? Yeah. And my, my father, uh, he's, he's, he's from a really not nice part of England, came to uh, North America, uh, made it like worked his ass off, did super well for himself, like changed the trajectory of the family. And, uh, you know, and, and he's the, the nicest guy, salt of the earth guy, incredible amateur athlete. He represented team Canada as a do athlete on the world stage is no cartilage in one knee. He runs marathons. Like he's crazy like that. He's bottom line. He's the guy that's, he's always fine. How are you? Fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Right. Obviously we know where this leads. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. So we get that call and he collapsed. He had a, a I always call it a third grade panic attack. I don't know the actual levels of panic attacks, but it was the most severe one. And he was on his office floor and he couldn't move. And so he went to the hospital and he was, he was doctor ordered to stay 500 feet from his office for an entire year. And my dad is, he's super quick. He's from the same part of London as Russell Brand, as Michael Caine. He's a Cockney guy. So he's very quick. He's got all the answers, got all the jokes. And I remember that summer being at the cottage and this man who was so quick and so charming still is to this day, um, he recovered. But this summer, all all he could say is he had oatmeal for breakfast. And he told us that like 12 times a day, oatmeal for breakfast. All right. Right on, dad. Love you. 
and and that was it. And so in that, I mean, it was some years later when I started asking the bigger questions, what am I like you, what am I here for? Yeah. What is the real purpose of this? And I asked myself that question three to six times a day for about six months. And one day I was, I went outside, I was taking a nap and it punched me in the face. And it was like, you have to use what mom taught you to help people like dad. So they never have to experience that. They can skip that struggle and go straight to the spoils of what they've actually built. And that's how we're here today. Well, you know, Mitchell, I think, okay, there's two parts to what I think that um, entrepreneurs have a tough time um, and they need coaches like you, for example, is that, you know, how much money is really enough? And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't know um, when they've actually made it. You know, it just seems like, um, you know, like in my case, for example, I decided that I didn't want to live like I didn't want to live and work um, the same way my father as as loving uh, as he was and as a great inspiration to me and how brave he was coming to a whole new country with five kids with, you know, like it, it's just incredible. Like, you could you know, you could do that, but you don't speak the language you have no job or, you know, friends or family here. So he came here with five young kids. Even so, um, he ended up having to leave his children um, home most of the time. So we kind of had to fend for ourselves because he has working two jobs, um, at least two jobs most of the time. And the first few years was like pumping gas, manual labor, because he, you know, couldn't get his doctor's license and all that stuff here. Um, same mm-hmm. with my mom. So when I was in that situation and I was making pretty good money in the corporate world and I thought I'm just doing the same thing what my parents were doing to us, except that I was making more money, chasing more money out of my own choice now. You know, I was going to have to do right. the nanny. So I actually made a conscious decision to make less money that I was willing to work with less money and live on less money. And because I grew up, I mean, in, in East Los Angeles, where, you know, a rent, like monthly rent was like 30 bucks a month. I mean, it was, it was really tough neighborhood. So I, you know, basically I set a goal of making $3,000 a month. And that was going to be my dream life right. um, and working 20 hours a week. So it just turns out within that first um, 18 months, my, I actually did a, over a million. So doing three grand a month was, and I obviously overachieved, but yeah. after that, I didn't retire. You know, you went to the next phase and, you know, fr- so I went from the, the million to the 10 million over the next five years or so. So, yeah. you know, I would, I think I'm fortunate that I decided I, I, it took me three times to retire, but it, eventually I actually, and, and I'm not completely retired right now, but I'm, I'm just like, it took me three different times to do it because when you're used to living on that, that schedule and making the kind of money you are making. Um, and I don't live with that, by the way, I have no debt, but most people do have that and they just don't know how to get themselves out. Yeah. And they think that they need to make more and more and more because it's easy. Um, and they think, cause by, by a certain point, or oh, you think Mitch, that uh, some people think, well, I'm used to working 65 hours a week. So 50 hours a week is like, like on vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or I used to work 80 hours a week and now I'm right. like five days a week. Right. Um, you know, but there were five days are like, you know, uh, from 6am to 8pm. So yeah. I think that happens, but now let's dial this back a little bit and think about the people 
And I say this now because there may be so many of you who are listening to um, us talk right now thinking, oh, someday I don't have that problem now. And someday when I make it, well, you might have already made it. You just don't mm. know. You know what I mean? Because like, if your goal was making three grand a month and you're now, you know, at two, three million, I mean, you've made it. Right. Maybe you don't check out right away, but you need to have a plan to start to enjoy life so that you can kind of ease into that. You know, mm-hmm. that makes sense? Mm-hmm. So, because a lot of times people like, uh, you have to kind of figure out what's your get out number. Like at what point do you stop? At what point do you say, okay, this is enough. And maybe I don't stop right now, but I'm going to scale back. Right. You know? we, one of the things, yeah. One of the things that um, I see this with a lot of uh, professional athletes that I talk to um, and, and, and corporate clients as well, but we always want to be completely honest with ourselves and we want to hold space to be completely honest with ourselves. And most of the time, the money really is nothing more than a placeholder conversation to right. keep us in, to keep us insulated from that, which we actually fear. And most of the entrepreneur, most of our listeners right now, most of the entrepreneurs who have, who have made it, who have, have boasted that, you know, seven, eight figure, nine figure marks and, and beyond um, what's the greatest fear being lazy, being judged for not having a job, it's True, yeah, which is retirement. Yeah. So what am I not going to do? Retire. Right. So what we have, right. So what we have to do is we have to reassign meaning to retirement. Right. And personally, I don't, I don't necessarily like that word. Uh, it's not, I mean, yeah. it's a word. Yeah. We, it has what power we give it, but um, it's not, it's, it, it's the closing of a chapter and the opening of a new one. And so I don't see it as, the end. I don't see it as preparing for death. I don't see it as dormant. I don't see it as, you know, my, you know, I either play 18 holes a day or what else am I doing with my life? I don't see it like that way at all. I see it as, as to kind of tie a full circle, an opportunity to learn a new skill set that's going to open you to a part of yourself you have not spent time with before. And who knows what lies in that part? There could be another business in there. There could be philanthropic work in there that you never even considered before. You could go in a completely different direction, but now because you have the inner tools that tell you and show you every day that I don't need something outside of myself to feel whole inside, the work that I do is coming from a place of strict love. So there's nothing I'm looking to actually get out of it in return because I don't need anything. And when we, when we live from that place, that is true power because your walk away number now is not even a number. You transcended numbers for your walk away number. Your walk away is already there. So everything you're doing is just because you like it. You know, that's actually really interesting. So the third time I retired, um, what I did was I, um, you know, I retired for the third time and I, I, I said to everybody, okay, this is it for the, like, seriously, this is it. And then I got a phone call from uh, an old friend of mine at that time. He's not there anymore, but he was the CEO of uh, the network that I'm with now. And he said, you know, I understand that you're, um, you know, you don't want to work the pace and all that. So we'll take you three hours a month or three hours a year will take you anywhere you want to work. So I thought, Oh, that sounds pretty good. So, you know, I did that. Then I wrote a novel, a uh, science fiction, 
which I've always wanted to do. I kind of got it out of my system. And everybody said, first time authors books suck. And I said, okay, that's right. so the, so the, my entrepreneurship mind, my go-getter mind says, well, okay, that makes sense. The first time authors books suck. I mean, why would you be great at skating and win an Olympic medal that day, right? Anything that you're good at, you're going sure. to have So I said, okay, well then let me get my first book out of the system for fast. So I wrote that book in mm. like three months. And then, um, in order for me to, you know, lo and behold, I actually ended up getting uh, Harper Collins, Random House, all these people were saying, oh my God, it's a great book. And, you know, you had to write a sequel. And I'm like, are you serious? So I started writing my sequel and then COVID hit. So then I thought, you know, I'm going to start a podcast just because a lot of people don't know who I am. Like they see me, I've sold over, you know, 10 million pieces of jewelry. They see me, but they have never really had a conversation with me. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start it and see what happens. And then I actually absolutely love podcasting because every guest I have on, you are learning. I mean, if you asked me two years ago, I get some coach wants to teach you how to live your life after you've made it. I would have just said, this guy guy crazy or what? Like, (laughs) what do we need? What are you talking about? Yeah. The lesson would be on how to get there. Not what right. you do when you get there, but, yeah. uh, you know, so you learn like a lot of little, cause you do have like, you know, a good 30, 20, 30 minutes. I mean, I would say every guest I've had, including all the people who have been my friends for 30 years, I've learned things about them or how their actions have been shaped, you know, by their early life. So I actually really love that new skill that I'm learning. And um, mm-hmm. so I, I agree with you on, on, you know, everything that you've said so far about, um, how to kind of uh, continue, I, I, I guess, live a more fulfilling life after you've made it as you should. Right. But let's just ca- talk about a little bit before that. Um, how do we actually get there? Because mm. when you coach people who got there, I imagine, you know, a lot of people who actually come, <laughs> who've had to really overcome so many uh, landmines, obstacles and detours that life kind of hands you along the way, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one of those things, obviously, you got to be very good at time management. Otherwise, you don't succeed as an entrepreneur. And the second thing I think is really interesting is people-pleasing. Um, mm-hmm. I actually suffered from that for the longest time. And I think at some point, I had to just kind of figure out who I am. And you know, they can either take it or leave it because I have nothing to hide. And I got to the point where I just couldn't improve myself anymore to please everybody. So at some point I just said, okay, this is enough, you know, and right. that's when my business actually did turn around. Um, you know, it, it was in an exponential growth path uh, because you right. can't please everybody. So, you know, if your authentic self shows up all the time, uh, you resonate with more people uh, because you, you're not constantly trying to figure out, you know, what everybody else wants from you. So I think those are some of the, uh, you know, really interesting skills. And then I think lastly, um, I'd like to still think that even after you've built it and even after like you're looking at retirement um, and you're actively maybe living your retirement life, you still want to look back and say, I built an amazing company and I built an amazing business. I built an amazing brand because my customers are still loyal. They still think of me. They still buy, you know, they still, I think that 
building the, the loyalty, legions of fans that connected with you. I think those are all kind of important things that 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 should matter to all of us. So do you have any wisdom about um, those issues that we just talked about? Time management is a big thing. I think, you know, before retirement and after, like I told like I joked about with you earlier, I have to tell you, this is a really funny story. My husband and I are both oldest in our families. So his mother had her kids really late. And so he, uh, his mother literally is a hundred years old and my mom is in her late eighties. So um, they're both very independent women and they don't want to be a burden to their children. So they don't want people to come and check up on them just to see if they're breathing or not. So my mother-in-law um, would always say she's this independent, you know, Norwegian woman. Well, my husband would make excuses like, hey mom, I'm uh, having to get my car serviced and it just happens to be like right near, you know, where you live. Uh, can we have lunch, t- you know, together? And she's like, well, I have, um, you know, uh, I have so-and-so visiting me and I have a phone call with so-and-so. So but what, why don't I pencil you in for next Wednesday or something? She's a hundred years old. She's telling this to my Amazing. And so he comes back and um, he tells me, you're not going to believe it. My mom's busy till next Wednesday. And on Wednesday, <laughs> she canceled me in. And, you know, like we're busy with our kids and running a business. So he says, well, maybe uh, you could, um, you know, call your mom. So my mom lives in L.A., two hours away from here. So I call my mom and I say, hey, mom, I just have to come to L.A. to see a client for like, you know, a few days. So, um, you know, maybe we can plan a day out, you know, doing this or that, because I'm thinking like she's like lonely or whatever. So my mom's like, honey, I'm going to be in Palm Springs on, you know, such and such day. And after that, I'm going to be so and so. And she's like, you know, in three weeks from now, maybe you can come over. Amazing. So, you know, it's really interesting. The point I'm making is that even when you're 100 years old, this time management thing is, is a, it's a real issue. So how yeah. do you, um, is, there, is there a proven framework for managing time effectively where you are more productive working less? So I like to refrain from trying to manage the concept of time simply because time exists outside of myself. And it's really hard to move and manipulate something that is outside of me. So it kind of goes, everything that you're saying is all kind of wrapped up in one big, beautiful bald answer here with people pleasing and time management, because what I like to think about it is more setting boundaries. So Mm -hmm. if I can, if I can set a personal boundary or professional boundary that says, these are the timelines that I have here. This is the bound that, that I'm going to be working or thinking or brainstorming. Um, but then also taking it one step further to this is the boundary I have for my em- level of emotional attachment to people, places, and things. And the first thing we have to do is get really clear on that because the only reason, and so to answer your question about increasing productivity while bringing time down The only way I can, not the only way, but the easiest way to do that is to allow all of your energy, all of your mental and physical faculties to be placed on yourself, which is the source of all of the ideas that actually quantum leap you forward. So if I'm thinking about the little things, the nuts and bolts that are outside of me, I'm not actually doing the heavy lifting that's going to get me down from 80 hours a week to three days a week or whatever it is I want. 
because I'm not actually, and um, there's a great book on this called The Big Leap that Dr. Gay Hendricks wrote. Um, and, and he's talking about working within your zone of genius. And so like, I know just from my own life, um, I, in one year, I, so I work about an hour a day total. Mm-hmm. And doing that, I tripled my income. Right. Uh, sim- simply because I stepped into my zone of genius. I allowed myself to completely align with me. So there was no people pleasing or the people pleasing went down by a very significant amount. There was no stepping out of bounds to go do things that take time, but don't either um, give life to me or someone I care about or increase income. And all of that is simply a result of me not learning to do anything, but of me letting go of the beliefs that said I had to do those things in order to get X or Y. Does so that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. So what you're saying is that uh, focus on, if you are focusing on your intent and you're focusing on the your priorities um, instead of like a checklist of all the little things that you've got to do, you know, you're, the ability to prioritize on the things that actually matter uh, when it comes to how you use your time um, right. going to end up becoming more productive. Yeah. So for example, if, if I, ha- if I think I have to go to the office and, um, y- you know, go to, or go to the factory and just have a look at one thing in the factory. Well, let's look at the belief that says that that's an actual thing you need to do. Really, you don't have to go look at the thing in the factory, but you believe you do, because if you don't, you're going to be a bad leader. You're going to be a, um, a, a poor manager. You're not going to have the income you think you will that year. You're going to be poor, whatever it is. And most of those beliefs are unconscious. So the work we do is about going within and pulling those unconscious beliefs to the surface so they can be undone. Because now once I, once I no longer believe I have to go to the factory, I've now cleared three hours of my day without doing anything. You know, that's interesting because I, I deal with a lot of factories and um, it's true that what I do is, um, and this could, be, this could actually be a lesson for those of you who are actually st- still bil- building your business in a very active phase, is I've seen the reason why you look at a factory isn't necessarily to look at a product that's coming out of there. Uh, what I do is I look at the corporate culture of the factory. You know, I manufacture jewelry. So when I go to a factory and I see, um, you know, these people all kind of lined up in assembly line and they are throwing their, you know, they're busy. Production lines are very hectic. And they're throwing jewelry back and forth. You know, hey, you know, get this or that. And they're basically throwing things back and forth. I know that that particular factory isn't going to be the most detailed, um, uh, high quality, uh, sophisticated factory. So if I need something that mm-hmm. does require, you know, a hundred stones or something, I won't give it to that factory. Um, so you're looking at the culture, the right. process. Uh, and once you do that and you figure out, um, you know, your three factories that will, um, you know, the one that handles the, um, the, all the impossible mold making and then the one that just handles the volume, um, you don't have to go. I mean, when you have 15, 20,000 styles running around, I mean, that's, I think I have something like at least 15 to 20,000 styles that are copyrighted. Um, you, you, you'd exhaust yourself going through the factory to check every one of those. 
right? Mm-hmm. So understanding mm-hmm. um, your priorities and, and the why. Why right. actually go see, look at the, you know, in, I mean, that what I just g- gave you isn't like indicative of every single industry, but in my industry, I learned to understand, for example, you know, if they're, if they're efficient, like if they're the stone cutter, the setting and all of that was lined up perfectly and they were efficient because a lot of factories are not efficient at all. Um, right. They're clean, you know, those kinds of things, the generalistic things I look at. And then um, I pretty much like, you know, figure out my workflow. So mm-hmm. I think the other thing I think um, it's interesting when you said um, what you, when you just said what you said, which is how people pleasing actually go with time management. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like people don't realize how much time we spend as entrepreneurs who are typically confident people who are bonehead, stubborn people that we spend a lot of time um, pleasing people, basically. Right. You know, what will our my um, sales director think of me? What will my customers think of me? What will my you know competitors think of me? Uh, what will my mother think of me? So you know, think of all of these things, um, and therefore you feel like if you don't go to the factory, you are seen as a careless person, or you are seen as you know somebody whose order that order didn't matter that much, or that uh, you are not detail oriented. You know all these assumptions you make um, about what other people think of you. Right. It has to do with pleasing people. And when we think about it on a, on a, on a, on a universal causal principle, principle level, what we see outside of ourselves is a direct reflection of what's going on inside of ourselves. So if we want to talk about building a loyal customer base, the first in being in accordance and alignment with this universal law, the first thing we would have to do is be loyal to ourselves. Right. And when we and when we please people instead over ourselves, we are violating that law. So while we may think our ego driven thought is saying that I have to go there, otherwise I'm not I'm going to be seen as careless. In actuality, what you're doing is you're just putting a little nick in the armor that you've built of your company that's going to allow customers to I don't like where I pigeonhole, so pigeonhole myself with this language, but escape from from buying from you um right you're because you have violated the law of being loyal to yourself you inevitably will have that reflected back to you yeah so i think so you know we went back and forth from uh we actually started out our show with uh what do you do when you've made it um to we dialed back to basically just before you actually get there you know how do you plan getting to the end and how do you know what your get out number is to going more to the beginning where how do we you know build our businesses but what i really love about everything that you've said so far um it really has a couple of main arteries that run through everything that you've said and that is really brilliant and so simple and common sense at the same time, which is your authentic self, who you are in the core, that can't change. And uh, it either amplifies every action that you take or it doesn't depending on the circumstances that, that you run into. And as entrepreneurs, we're all kind of sort of prone to um, having, you know, a little bit of a pressure to bend, for example, like 
I know, for example, I am a good-hearted person. I, you know, have never hurt anybody. In fact, I don't even eat meat or anything. I mean, I can't even like even cut a cut up a dead chicken, let alone <laughs> do anything. So right. I know that as a human being, I'm not perfect. I'm not for everybody, but you know, I'm the best I could be, and I try to be that person. So if that's not good enough, there is not much I could offer, really. So, you know, I know that, and yet. We still, I'm still prone to picking up that phone call, making sure that the customer, you know, doesn't think poorly of me or my company. Um, so mm-hmm. we're prone to a little bit of that pressure, you know, in in that environment because things are moving all the time, constantly, and you're making decisions um, with less than, you know, less than perfect information most of the time because you got competitive pressures and all that stuff that's going on. So, but what you're what you're basically um, advocating and coaching is. Everything starts with the core DNA that you are, and you have to respect that. You have to respect that and love yourself and basically honor that until the very end. And then mm-hmm. everything's going to kind of be okay. I mean, there are some skill sets you have to learn along the way in building a business to actually enjoying life as well. In but, but I think what, what I'm hearing from you is that the, the discipline um, the the acumen to diagnose a problem, to actually solving a problem, all of those things that you learned as an entrepreneur can be applied to living in that second phase of your life, which should be the the like the golden years or the the rainbow years, I would say. Absolutely, they're all everything that you use to get where you are. You will use to accept where you currently are at the deepest level. And that's where real joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment come from is in that acceptance. So, and what's nice, and you know, what's nice is most of my clients who have quote unquote made it as opposed to the ones who are still making it. um, And and by the way, we work on the exact same stuff. It's just the, I think, I think of it as the people who, are still making it. They're just getting a head start on the skill set. Yeah. But the nice thing, yeah, the nice thing though is that the people who have already made it, it doesn't take long because, again, you have the drive, you have the focus, you have the determination. Now you have the time and the space, and what better place to direct all that energy than onto yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, it, this has been very, very enjoyable and impactful. And, you know, I just really appreciate um, your, I, you know, what I love about um, everything that we've talked about today and you um, as a person, as a coach, is that all of this knowledge that you are sharing with me and my audience today isn't from some famous books or is it, you know, you didn't get some fabulous degree from some Ivy League school and you're giving me some psychology lesson. These are like real life lessons. These are real people. These are real entrepreneurs. And each one of us, each one of you know your clients have had a unique journey that kind of uh, compounded your knowledge as a process, you know, because the first thing you have to do uh, when you're a coach is understand who you're, you're coaching. So I appreciate you coming uh, on this um, podcast and spending this amazing time with us. Um, how do we, um, how do people get a hold of you to learn more about, um, you know, the journey to, to the end? And if you should make it, if you're very close to that, um, you know, to get some advice from you. 
So you can email me at mitch at mitchellcreasy.com always. Uh, you can hit, check out my website. There's more information on there, mitchellcreasy.com. And if you're on Instagram, at coachmitchellcreasy.com. Well, thank you so much. And um, it's been so lovely having you. And for those of you listening today, if you um, have not subscribed, please go ahead and do so now. And uh, if you can share uh, this episode with everybody, you know, um, that would be very uh, appreciated both by me and Mitchell. And until next time, stay healthy and happy. And remember, happiness is your choice. Thank you. You've been listening to Million Dollar Hobbies, where we turn dreams into reality and passion into profit. According to ancient Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Congratulations on taking that first step today. For more information on how Victoria can help you turn your hobby into a million dollars and to download Victoria's free ebook on passion-based business ideas, visit milliondollarhobbies.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player.